It's time for Hustle Her Podcast. I'm your host, Deshay Keynes. Hustle Her is all about inspiring women through real life experiences that have helped to mold and develop not only me, but my guests into the entrepreneurs and leaders we are today. If you're an enterprising woman determined to succeed and looking for a bit of motivation, a bit of tough love, and some actionable takeaways to be the best you, girl, you are in the right place. This episode is brought to you by Tempax Pocket Pearl. Make sure you guys go out and get your Tempax Pocket Pearl today. My next guest has over 15 years of healthcare industry experience, offering specialized underwriting expertise in hospital professional liability, long-term care organizations, and miscellaneous facilities. She was appointed the head of healthcare at AXA XL in December 2018. She is responsible for setting, implementing, and driving strategies strategies of the healthcare underwriting unit. Prior to joining AXA XL in October 2013, she launched her career at Allied World Assurance Company, spending over seven years building a solid foundation in the medical malpractice underwriting. She completed AXA XL's 2018 Global Emerging Leaders Program. She was one of 30 candidates out of 7,000 employees selected for the program. She is the creator and primary host of the AXA XL's Healthcare Risk Insight podcast series, which launched in October 2019. She was a recently appointed Bermuda Healthcare Council board member. She is also an active alumnus of the Bermuda Foundation for Insurance Studies, serving as a board member and on the Beefus Scholarship Committee. She is a graduate of Bryant University, where she received a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration with a concentration in finance and has obtained her chartered property casualty underwriters designation. Please help me welcome Shalee Hendrickson. Okay, and welcome, Ms. Shalee Hendrickson. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. I've been, we've been trying to work this out for a while, and I'm so grateful that you are here with me. So tell me a bit about Shalee Hendrickson and how she became the head of healthcare at AxXL. It's one of the largest insurance companies in Bermuda. How did you get there? Well, I always knew I wanted to be a team leader. Mm-hmm. So even when I started out as a UA, I knew that's where I wanted to, to land. So I made sure I made decisions that will align me to where I wanted to be in long term, which is to be head of healthcare. Okay, perfect. And did you always know that you um, wanted to work in healthcare? Or did you, um, you know, decide after the fact that that's what you wanted to do? When I started my career, I was actually in the professional lines department. Mm-hmm. And about a year in, an opportunity arose for me to move to the healthcare team. Mm-hmm. And I took it because I felt like healthcare was more in- was more interesting to me. Um, and I perform better when I'm interested. And mm-hmm. that was a great fit for me. Um, I like the rule. I like what it analyzes. And um, and it's so relatable. <laughs> like we all have we all have access to healthcare or we all use the healthcare system. And so I think it's important. It's made me a better patient. When I go to the doctor, I'm like, did you check this? Did you do this? <laughs> I'm a more informed patient. Got it. And um, I'm all over it. When my family has to go to the hospital, I'm like, wait a minute, what are we going to do? Exactly. Because <laughs> one time my daughter was sick. Uh, we were in the hospital for three weeks. Wow. And when we got there, they're like, oh, no, we're going to operate. I'm like, 
no, we're not. <laughs> we're all going to pause. We're going to have a huddle. And I'm going to ask you, like, how often has this surgeon did it? Have mm-hmm. they done it on kids? They was like, oh, no, they only done it on one other kid. I'm like, oh, no, that's not enough mm-hmm. for me. So had I not been in this row, I may have just panicked and be like, the doctor knows best. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, no, we're going to pause. And I mm-hmm. called one of my clients. I'm like, this is what's happening. What do you suggest? Mm-hmm. And then I think I'm a far better, a far more informed patient as a result of my role. Yeah, which is good. the healthcare team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you have to be able to know these things, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, mm-hmm. it's a benefit to you because not mm-hmm. everyone has that. It's just mm-hmm. like whatever the doctor said and right. you probably got the best care for mm-hmm. your daughter mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. Okay. And so after you left Allied World and you came over to AXA, I've been following you and I'm very, very proud of you and all the things that you've done there. So how quickly did you decide or did you see yourself on the track to becoming head of healthcare? Okay, so I didn't leave Allied World and go right to AXA. I actually mm-hmm. had a short pit stop mm-hmm. um, at AIG. Okay. And um, I just found that after seven years at Allied World, while I loved it, I felt like I was too specialized. And when I looked at other opportunities and I began to interview, everyone said, oh, we really love you, but you just have healthcare experience. Mm-hmm. And so I actually left the job I liked. There was no reason for me to leave. Like, I loved the team. Um, I loved what I did, but I felt like after eight years, I needed to have another skill set. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I moved to AIG, just to get a more broad casualty experience. Mm-hmm. Um, Good. So would you recommend that to anybody else that's coming into industry to kind of do a few different things? Or should they specialize immediately in whatever it is they think their interests are? It's definitely no harm in exploring various lines within the insurance industry Mm -hmm. because everyone's interests are different. So I highly recommend it. Not everyone will have the opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. But if you do have the opportunity, I think it's definitely something you should explore. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not a formal, like, let me do a three-month stint in a different department, Mm -hmm. just maybe go over and talk to someone. Like, everyone loves to share information about their job. So just going out and talking to other people, whether it be within your company or other people externally and just get a feel for what they do and Mm -hmm. to determine if that's what you want to do or are you happy to stay where you are. Perfect. So in insurance, it's a lot of of what you do. You're definitely with clients a lot, right? So how do you build a successful brand for yourself? Because while you represent the company, people also come to, to you for business as well. So how do you get a successful brand within an industry, within, you know, a bigger company as itself where people want to work with you? I have been very intentional about my brand mm-hmm. um, for many years now. I think even when my CEO and other people talk to me, they're like, we know you care about your brand. <laughs> um, so I... I focus on my brand in different ways. Firstly is dress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always want to go to a meeting dressed appropriately and, and use that as a differentiator too. Mm-hmm. Like I have clients that are like, what shoes are you wearing this day? <laughs> so they look forward to my shoes. Right, right. Um, and I, I actually dress based on the client colors, mm-hmm. like their corporate colors. Oh, it happened cool. by mistake. Mm-hmm. I actually had on this um, unique color green and it was actually their logo green. And, I was, and they were just so blown away. I was like, this is by chance. Right. <laughs> but I mean, this is by chance, but I decided to keep that up mm-hmm. <laughs> and so people come to look forward to what dress am I going to wear what shoes I'm going to wear mm-hmm. and I think it's also to be a differentiator like what can you do clients are coming down and meeting with tons of underwriters so how can they remember Chalet mm-hmm. and I think it's important just what can I do to make that to make it more memorable and so I do things like I read the local newspaper based on where the client from so if they're mm-hmm. from 
North Carolina, I'll make sure I Google the local newspaper for North Carolina just to see what's happening in their community. And then maybe you could ask about it because there are going to be pauses in the meeting, like before you start. And I always very prepared, like, mm-hmm. what can I ask before a meeting starts when we're just sitting at around the table mm-hmm. waiting for the meeting to start? Or at dinner, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just sitting there. What can you say? So I always prepare maybe talking points so mm-hmm. that I'm always I can fill the gaps if gaps do appear. Okay. That's actually really uh, good information to know because a lot of times people just think, oh, I'm good at my job and the clients will come. But that extra step that you take is, I think, probably the reason why people end up going with you, I would assume. And it's all about your delivery as well. People want to know that you're knowledgeable about mm-hmm. your subject matter. And so I think it's important to practice. Like I, in my earlier years, and still too, but in a different way, practice. Like, how am I going to say the XXL spiel? Mm-hmm. How am I going to... Um, deliver this message. So I either look in the mirror and practice. <laughs> I smile a lot. And sometimes it's not appropriate to smile, especially yeah. when I'm telling the client I have to do X, Y, Z for your insurance policy. Got so it. It, it's about controlling my smile. Mm-hmm. It's to talk about making sure I stick to the talking points mm-hmm. about the message I'm trying to deliver and practice. You can record yourself on your phone, mm-hmm. play it back to see how it sounds. So mm-hmm. I think we have enough devices <laughs> that enough. we can practice on. <laughs> Yeah. And also use social media. Yeah. Use social media. Clients like when you ask them stuff that's maybe a little different. So okay. I, I follow a lot of my clients on Instagram and Facebook mm-hmm. just to keep in touch and other things. Because uh, we know we care about the losses, mm-hmm. but we also care like what is the client doing for the community or mm-hmm. for, in other areas. So. Wow, that's amazing. So you have this uh, successful client base. So what do you do other than some of the things you just mentioned to maintain that? So you have some of these clients, you differentiate yourself in you know, the meetings and all of those types of things. So what do you have to do to maintain that client base? Like you, like you said, people coming and the shopping around for different, you know, underwriters, what keeps your clients coming back to you and XXL? How do you build that? I think consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I always aim to have a great client meeting and I even follow up the broker for feedback because I think mm-hmm. feedback is important, whether it's good or bad, mm-hmm. it teaches you something. Mm-hmm. And so I, in the beginning, I'll call brokers, say, how did you think it went? Do you have any advice? So I think getting people's feedback will help you um, in the short term and the long term. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's important just just to be consistent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so every year I try to make sure my client meeting is as great as before and just learning little things. Like if I knew my client, I knew his son was starting Tufts University. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write that down. And mm-hmm. then we're waiting for the meeting to start. I'm like, how did your son enjoy his first year? Like those things make you stand out in a crowd. Amazing. So you're the head of healthcare at AXA. How many people fall under you? And what does that really entail on a day to day basis? Okay, so quickly, um, a little bit about the rule. So we do um, healthcare professional liability, Mm -hmm. but in, I guess the slang version is medical malpractice. So in the event a patient goes to the hospital, doctor amputates the wrong leg, Mm -hmm. patient then sues the hospital, Mm -hmm. they have insurance for that. So that's when they will use their insurance um, policy that we sell them. Mm -hmm. So that's the short version of what we do. So I have a team of five. I have three direct reports, but I also have two other people that are on the team but do not report to me. So it's five of us. Wow. Okay. And every day, are you uh, kind of going into them and do you work collaboratively in the uh, environment or is it just kind of like you have your clients, let's meet once a week and figure out what you're doing and kind of move forward from there? Like how how does your style of leadership work with your team? We are extremely collaborative. (laughs) 
So we check in probably mm-hmm. every day for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, we have one meeting during the week. I call them our huddle, our mm-hmm. healthcare huddles, where the whole team comes together. We talk about talk about highlights from client meetings last week. We talk about what renewals we got going on, what new business. Um, I'm very hands-on with the team, but I'm very different depending on – I have three people. Like I said, I have three direct reports. They're all are completely three different levels. So mm-hmm. what I would say to one girl, I won't say to the guy. So it just depends on where they are. And then I have a new hire that started on September 1st. Okay. So um, my style definitely is different depending on who I'm working with. Got but it. very hands-on, very very team-centric. We talk about each risk together because sometimes somebody will remember, like the girl I have on my team, she's like, oh, I worked on this account five years ago when I was here or mm-hmm. two years ago. And so she may bring insights Got that's it. not really in the submission. So it's very, very collaborative. That's good. So so do women in your profession have a hard time getting into leadership roles? Is it difficult to get promoted or do you feel like it's very inclusive for women um, in your industry? I think it depends on level and position. You see a lot of women in middle management. I think women do hit a glass ceiling when it comes to breaking into the C-suite or executive level. So I think that's probably more challenging for women. But middle management, I think you see, we have women all over our floor. <laughs> My department's mostly women. <laughs> So what do you think is, uh, what is, what is something that you think could help to break into C-suite and what is that kind of barrier at the moment? It has to come from top down. It has to be the board has to be intentional with the advancement of women. And you see it in California where California is requiring a certain percentage of women representation on their boards by, I don't, I don't remember the exact year in front of me, Mm -hmm. but I think, um, Movements like that will encourage or enhance women's opportunities at a higher level, such as C-suite. Okay. And being a female leader, do you think, what's the most, I guess, significant barrier um, in your job in terms of leadership? Like, do you have any barriers being a female leader or has it been kind of, I've made my way, people respect who I am, so it doesn't really matter? I think one of the barriers for me was to basically increase my influence through difficult situations. Sometimes when things happen on the job, it's it's natural just not to panic, but to be like, oh my gracious, what did I do? Mm -hmm. Rather than take a little bit of the emotion out. You you know your portfolio Mm -hmm. and to speak up to it in real time so that it's not, so you don't go away thinking, oh my gracious, I messed this up. So I think just importance of learning how to increase your influence and take ownership of your ideas. I think stats show that sometimes a woman can say something and it's not heard and a man say it and everyone buys into it. So Mm -hmm. I think- being empowered to take back your idea. Got it. So if someone mentions, like I was in like the leadership program that mm-hmm. you mentioned in the introduction, um, I had a great idea mm-hmm. and everyone, it was like I was silent. Right. And then someone else mentioned it and I was like, oh, like it was this great idea. And I'm right. like, well, thanks so-and-so. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. I'm mm-hmm. glad you were able to articulate it mm-hmm. for the team. So mm-hmm. just basically being in control of your ideas mm-hmm. and getting credit where, where it's necessary. Definitely. No, and that's a good way to kind of get people to kind of see your ideas. Because sometimes I was reading an article a few weeks ago and it was saying women's voices are silent at a Mm -hmm. table. And then Mm -hmm. when someone else says it, Mm -hmm. it becomes, oh, wow, this is a great idea. Mm -hmm. And it was talking exactly about what you just Mm -hmm. said and how to gain back the control of your Mm -hmm. idea Mm -hmm. and basically say literally exactly what you just said. So it's actually Mm -hmm. kind of crazy that you just (laughs) said that. Um, So I guess... 
obviously this is called podcast is called hustle hard so it really focuses on women Mm -hmm. and some of the things that we deal with so in your industry in your role do you have any difficulty leading men um is that a barrier for you is that something that is kind of like oh i'm still rather new into it um so i have three direct reports Mm -hmm. to our men Mm -hmm. um no issues so far (laughs) or none that i'm aware of but um no issues right now all right so we're gonna go into a little bit about you and your personal life tell me a bit about your family so I'm the proud wife of Pastor Damon Hendrickson. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been married for 10 years this month. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have two kids, mm-hmm. um, Demacia, who's nine, and Shalea, who's six. Wow. And what are some of the things that they like about your job? Do they know much about it? Or the kids, anyway? Do they know much about it? They're like, my mommy does this. Or is it just kind of like, I don't know where my mom works? <laughs> My son, I'm starting to explain what I do to my mm-hmm. son because he asks a lot of questions. My daughter, she just loves our after-school program. She's like, I really want to come to your job because <laughs> our front desk receptionist gives her candy. Yeah, they get to play in the after-school um, program, and so they really mm-hmm. enjoy that. And the fish tank is a big seller. But um, no, they don't really know. They don't really <laughs> my son has asked questions. Yeah. But um yeah. <laughs> so being a boss, because obviously the segment is entitled Who's Your Boss type of thing, and it's about women in leadership positions. So d- being a boss in your particular field and what you do, does it affect your family life, you being busy, or do you? how do you carve out that time for them? So I think the key is adaptability. Mm-hmm. Um, even before I became the manager of healthcare, we still had to juggle different roles within the house. And now that I am, you have to juggle roles. And our schedules are completely different mm-hmm. before the pandemic, mm-hmm. <laughs> during shelter in place. Mm-hmm. after shelter in place and now there's new um, social distancing so I think the key to be adaptable and having your the roles in your household change and be fluid depending on what it is so Mm -hmm. for example Damien used to always make lunch Mm -hmm. but now I make lunch because now he starts to go to the gym in the morning Mm -hmm. so I don't mind doing lunch because I'm not going to go Tom for nine o'clock I can log on so it's okay but then I was like I am tired of making lunch (laughs) (laughs) so I had to have the conversation with him like would you mind doing two a week now that we don't have pizza to Fridays at school so it's just about just changing the rule to see what works Mm -hmm. and what don't work Um, he does the laundry I haven't done laundry in 10 years Um, because he didn't like (laughs) any woman that could say that that's married that's hilarious he doesn't like he didn't like how I folded or ironed and so he (laughs) took it over and I'm like great but it works for us that is hilarious so I do other things but um, I'm happy to not have that on my plate yeah I would agree with you I think that that's pretty amazing all the ladies that are listening like what Pastor Damien, shout out. So you just have to do what works for your family. Every household is different, and Mm -hmm. the key is just to constantly communicate and determine what roles. And um, prior, um, Damien used to pick up the kids, drop the kids off. Mm -hmm. Um, But now that they're, my kids are transitioning. Like now they have more after school program. Mm after school activities to attend to and now I want to be a part of that like Mm -hmm. the conversations after school I feel left out Mm -hmm. them telling me at dinner they don't tell me the full story so I think it's important to be there so I'm intentional about trying to pick them up at least once a week from Mm -hmm. school Mm -hmm. and then I I take either my son or my daughter to one of their after school activities because I want to be more present yes and I'm very aware of the Hendrickson t-shirts for all of the events (laughs) yes (laughs) for those of you listening uh, the Hendrickson family love a t-shirt for an event and it always has the name 
team and whoever yes. is participating <laughs> on the shirt as well. Yes. I absolutely love it. You want to be our biggest cheerleaders. Yeah, for the kids, and that's yeah. amazing. And you know, I think carving out time for your kids and your family is so important. And I think you guys do a really good job at that. Full disclosure, I know Shalane and her husband very well. <laughs> so I turn and I follow them both on social media. So I love that about you guys. Both of you are busy. You make time for each other. You make time for your yep. kids. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. Thank you. All right. So growing up um, as a little girl, what were some of your interests? I, growing up, I mm-hmm. was um, a majorette. No Work way. United majorette. Really? Dental. Yes. <laughs> Um, so I guess that's the main thing I remember doing. I uh-huh. was never really into dance. I did majorettes. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom made me do piano. He's like, if you want to do majorettes, you have to do piano. So I did it enough to do majorettes. But looking back, I probably should have taken it more seriously. Yeah, there's definitely. a lot of money to be made mm-hmm. on the weekend if you could play the piano. So yep. I'm really going to encourage my kids to pick up an instrument, mm-hmm. whichever instrument of their choice, yeah. so that they have um, a different skill set. I know. I, I wish I would have uh, stuck to playing piano as well. But my teacher used to crack my knuckles. Mine too. Yeah. Yes. I'm not going to say the school, but yeah, um, <laughs> um, she used to crack my knuckles and I absolutely hated it. And I remember my Nana taking me and she used to force me to go. And, I, and then finally I broke down and I told her that she used to crack my knuckles. And she said, okay, fine. You don't have to go anymore. That's funny. Mine did the exact same thing, but I, I said, I had to do it if I wanted to go major. Yeah, you got to so. suck it up, right? Yes, I did. I sucked it that up. That is hilarious. So were there any other extra, extracurricular activities that you did that you think may have prepared you for leadership? Um, well, growing up, my report card always says Shalee is very shy, Shalee is quiet, she's mm-hmm. a very keen student, mm-hmm. which was fine for that season of my life. But when I went to college, I really wanted to be an RA. Mm-hmm. And I applied probably two or three years I was there, and I never got it because they always said, oh, we really like you, but I think we can only put you with the freshmen because you seem very quiet and shy. Mm-hmm. So it was in that moment that I was like, I really need to come out of my shell right. in my way mm-hmm. because I'm going to be overlooked for opportunities and why the RA was a great opportunity opportunity at the time Mm -hmm. it's other opportunities in my future that I wanted to be ready for and I didn't want to be overlooked because I thought I was too shy or too quiet and Mm -hmm. so that was a turning point for me to be um, to speak up a little bit more um, Mm -hmm. so that I'm not looked over or forgotten about definitely so what were some of the things that you decided to speak up about other than the RA thing that because I think it's really cool that you were self-aware enough to know that I need to do more because I want to be seen in those types of things so what did you do uh, to kind of come out of your shell and speak up more for yourself or was it just like no I'm here I can do it type of thing (laughs) Um, I intentionally put myself in uncomfortable situations So I signed up for stuff like stretch. I had stretch goals. Mm-hmm. So I intentionally put myself in positions to do things that I otherwise would not want to do. Mm-hmm. So I started out by signing myself up for different um, committees within the organization, such as the charity committee mm-hmm. that put me in front of other people where I had to speak and speak articulately. Mm-hmm. Um, I also put signed myself. And as I got older, the things that I signed up for <laughs> were more intense. Mm-hmm. And so um, I really wanted to start public speaking. Mm-hmm. And I knew I do it with, with my clients, but it's easy to talk to clients when you're sitting around a table or mm-hmm. you're standing in a room with 200 people looking at you. That's a, that's a big difference. <laughs> so I was intentional about um, submitting um, um, panel suggestions at mm-hmm. different conferences. And so when they get accepted, I, first of all, I freak out. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, let's get this. So mm-hmm. to putting yourself in situations to force you to do things that you probably were like, oh, well, they didn't call me. Mm-hmm. But basically, just be ahead of it. Mm-hmm. So I remember, I want to say it was a few, maybe four or five years ago now, you were somewhere and you and Carla must have submitted for a uh, 
I don't know, a panel or something or to speak at this event. And you're like, oh, we just submitted, didn't think anything of yeah. it. And then the next week I, or maybe a few months later, you were like, oh, my God, we actually got it. <laughs> what was that? So Carla and I, um, my co-worker, um, she, we went to a conference. It's a big healthcare conference in Cayman. Mm-hmm. And one of the keynote speakers were Mel Robinson. And she has this 54321 rule. Basically, 54321, get up and go to the gym. Like, mm-hmm. if you say 54321, mm-hmm. encourage you to do it. Like, 54321, mm-hmm. I'm going to learn to drive. Mm-hmm. So after this, um, after this session, Carla said, Carla and I was like, 54321, let's submit an idea to speak at a conference in February. Mm-hmm. And so we got back to Bermuda. We wrote our proposal. It wasn't long. And we submitted it. And a few weeks later, they're like, this is exactly what we wanted it. This is the content we wanted. And we're like, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh. But we did it. Um, We opened with a cartoon. Mm -hmm. And even though we had rehearsed many times and it was playing, I'm like, am I really playing a cartoon to 200 insurance professionals right now? (laughs) And so in that moment, I doubted everything we had prepared. But um, it was a really good hit. The audience started laughing. And that made us feel more comfortable. And they actually said that was actually the best presentation they had in the seven-year history of the conference. Wow. So it, even to this day, people rec- remember us from that. Mm-hmm. So it, it was, it was amazing. Though. I think some of the best conferences that I've ever been to, the keynote speakers, actually, the ones that I remember, were not actually about the subject, right? No, it not. was more inspirational. Mm-hmm. It was more, I remember we went to this conference. I don't remember what industry it was for, but he was a mountain climber. And mm-hmm. he talked about getting stuck on mm-hmm. Mount Everest and all this, you know, everything that went along with that. And then he tied it back to industry and, you know, how we can implement the things that he learned on that Mm -hmm. mountain. And I promise you, I've been to a ton of conferences Mm -hmm. in my life and I remember Mm -hmm. that vividly. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why people remember Mm -hmm. is because of the cartoon, you know, it it made you guys stick out. It did. And after like a whole day of sitting down, listening to people talk and talk and talk, that's that's what differentiated Mm -hmm. you for sure. Mm Yeah. So tell me a bit about some of the people who inspire you. I'm inspired by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really, since we're on public speaking, I'm really inspired by women who are phenomenal Mm -hmm. public speakers. Mm -hmm. I think if you're able to stand up and speak to a crowd and be just be professional, be engaging and Mm -hmm. be very knowledgeable on the subject matter, I think that's very inspiring. So I... I think what I want next is to be more confident speaking. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm comfortable right mm-hmm. now, but I want to just step it up a notch. <laughs> so you're going to be a TED Talk soon? I would love to do a TED Talk I eventually. Really I need cool. to figure out a topic. but <laughs> And standing up in those heels for an hour and a half. Oh, that's the easiest yeah, okay. part. There that would go. be the easiest part. <laughs> but I would, I would definitely be able to do a TED Talk. Not right now because I'm... I, in this room, I need to focus a little bit more. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a new manager, so mm-hmm. not now, but maybe maybe in a few years, I'll definitely be open to it. Mm-hmm. And that brings you other opportunities. Like some of these speakers are making fifteen to $25,000 oh. for 45 minutes, yeah. and it's the same speech. Yeah, 100%. So I wouldn't mind doing one speech a month, exactly. but that's later. I need to focus on, <laughs> focus on my team right now. And uh-huh. um, But just write notes. Like sometimes when things come across, I have this booklet, and I just write it down. Mm-hmm. And so that um, when I'm ready mm-hmm. to have my TED Talk, I have some ideas. And so do you have a mentor that you go to or kind of do you have a mentor for different things? Like how do you, you know, subscribe to being a mentor or having a mentor? I do not have a mentor right now. Mm -hmm. I think mentors are good when you're early out in your career. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm a mentor. Mm -hmm. I have a mentee. Mm -hmm. um, But at this stage of my career, I don't believe I need a mentor. Mm -hmm. What I do... 
What I do have is a sponsor. Mm -hmm. At this stage, you want to have a sponsor in this stage in my career. And sponsors are who is talking about you when you're not in the room? Who Mm -hmm. is your advocate Mm -hmm. behind closed doors? Mm -hmm. And sponsors, it doesn't have to be public. Like other people on my team don't have to know who my sponsor is. Mm -hmm. And they may not even have the title per se, but Mm -hmm. you know, this person is going to say this about me if I'm not there. Mm -hmm. And so just engaging with your sponsor, having check in, um, ask for, like I said, feedback. Mm-hmm. I'm all about feedback because I want to do a great job mm-hmm. and I know I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. I've so, actually never heard the term sponsor before when it comes in a professional setting. So how do you transition from not needing a mentor in the position that you are now and going into a sponsor? Like where, where do you kind of make that switch? So sponsors aren't, I'm going to go up to someone and say, hey, can you be my sponsor? <laughs> It's yeah. not that. It's just a, it, it develops from having a relationship with somebody within mm-hmm. your organization, um, or it maybe externally, depending on what you're, mm-hmm. depending on your career. Um, but it's it's just something that develops naturally, and that you know, hey, she or he has my back. Mm-hmm. I think that's important because sometimes when you're not in a room and there's someone there advocating for you, mm-hmm. I think that that's more important mm-hmm. than just someone listening and not having anything to right. say. Right. right. Yeah. All right. So what are some of the things that inspire you and why do they inspire you? I'm inspired to set the bar for the young women, young professional women coming behind me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's important to give back. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of my accomplishments so far, but I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a lot of people who invested time into me Mm -hmm. to become who I am today. So I think it's important for me not only to perform well, but for others to see what you can accomplish. And I hope that the, the women coming behind me achieve even more than what I achieved. Mm-hmm. So I want them to feel like, because I know people say, oh, there's no opportunities in insurance, but I'm like, you have to create opportunities for yourself. So I think um, some of my, what I find is very rewarding is like when young women in the insurance industry call me like, hey, I heard you're doing great if your career. I want to just talk to you, want advice, or they just check in with me. Um, one girl called me because she was having a really bad time at work. And I was like, I don't know if I'm qualified to give her advice, right. but I did. And it worked out. And I just, just to see how she flourished and how we worked th- through it together, mm-hmm. I feel like that's very inspiring. So I hope that she does the same for someone else that's coming up mm-hmm. behind her. And that's really important because I think that there was, in Bermuda in particular, there were a generation of people um, above you, I want to say, that were aren't so great mm-hmm. at coming back and helping mm-hmm. the you know mm-hmm. women or young men that mm-hmm. were under them it was kind of like wow I broke this ca- mm-hmm. glass ceiling I want to stay here right. you know what I right. mean so I think being intentional yeah. about reaching back and helping mm-hmm. someone else is so important because yeah. you're not going to be in the role mm-hmm. that you're in forever right and I think you know helping someone else to do that it creates a legacy of excellence right correct so you know if that person was mentored by Shalee Hendrickson you know what she's got it because mm-hmm. she's amazing so mm-hmm. I know she's going to be amazing too so mm-hmm. I, I love yeah. love 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 that it, <laughs> honestly I can't even go on about it enough I think it's so important um, and that's one of the reasons why it I started is. this was you know mm-hmm. women like you mm-hmm. that will help other women mm-hmm. and you know give us some of the, you know the tips and tricks that right. we have going on because we have so many other barriers to deal yeah. with in the corporate especially as a black yep. <laughs> black Bermudian, a black female Bermudian, you have other challenges. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want another black Bermudian or either any other Bermudian mm-hmm. have some of the challenges. So if I can help, and especially giving advice or having 10 minutes for coffee, mm-hmm. it don't cost you anything. Nothing I mean, the all. cup of coffee. Well, but, <laughs> but it really doesn't cost you your time. Like it, 
it's invaluable when you see yeah. how people have grown mm-hmm. and um and even in my role now like i'm looking forward to we, we have a new hire i'm looking mm-hmm. forward to see where he is in a year or two years mm-hmm. like i'm gonna find joy when he's able to go to a client meeting without me mm-hmm. and just kill it like right. that to me mm-hmm. is inspirational and that's Absolutely. how i feel successful yeah and that it reflects well on you right. as well mm-hmm. right so i i'm um, that makes me so happy that you do that <laughs> so what were some of the things that your parents did to help shape you into who you are today like no one just wakes up one day and it's like you know what I'm gonna reach back and help other people what were some of the things that were foundational for you from your parents um my parents didn't have a lot of say in what career choice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my dad drives the bus and mm-hmm. my mom um, works in the recruitment office at Oakwood University. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are very supportive along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to give you an example of my dad's parenting style. <laughs> so I think it was my last year at Barclay and I wanted to get a second hole in my ear. Mm-hmm. So the lady was like, well, you can't do it. You're not 18. You have to ask your dad. So I called him. I'm like, do you mind if I get my second hole in my ear? Mm-hmm. And his response is, though, your ear is not mine. Do what you want. <laughs> so that's been his approach through everything. It's yeah. like, do what you want. You're going to learn from it mm-hmm. and make mistakes and mm-hmm. you're going to grow. So I think just them being encouraging along the way and allowing me to make decisions, learn from my decisions. Mm-hmm. And my mom's style was more like, I'm going to give you my opinion and leave it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> she knew I was bullheaded. <laughs> so I'm just going to steamroll to what I want to do. But I was yeah. like, sometimes she was right, sometimes she wasn't. Right. But I appreciate Appreciated that she just left her opinion there. It didn't. Mm-hmm. Ha- she wasn't like she didn't nag me about it, mm-hmm. and that that was appreciated. Mm-hmm. And have you like kind of looked at both of their parenting skills and kind of used it yourself, or have you carved out a, your own, you know, parental style, or do you take from either of them? Well, my kids are younger, so I think that's a different <laughs> set of challenges. <laughs> I just, for my kids, I just want them to be respectful. Mm-hmm. I want them to be responsible people, responsible people in society. Mm-hmm. And I want them to achieve whatever level of excess, whatever it looks like for them. Mm-hmm. So I don't want them, like if they don't want to be insurance, that's fine. But mm-hmm. I think they need to focus on what type of lifestyle they want to live and make sure they have a career to support it Absolutely. because they're going to have to come off the payroll. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to be roommates forever. So <laughs> I think it's important just to groom them and to think and f- let them follow their passion. Like, mm-hmm. I know insurance, people say that's not my passion, but I actually love what I do. Mm-hmm. I love the career choice that I have. Do I have down days? Yes, mm-hmm. but I really enjoy it. And um, it's so much opportunity for growth within insurance. Um, like an underwriter, you do everything. You're an analyst at your desk. Mm-hmm. You do wording with legal. You talk to claims. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> you also, you're hosts. You mm-hmm. host client meetings. You host dinners. You're public speaker. So you really do it all. How do you define success? Success in your career, success, you know, personally, how do you define success and not necessarily in the long term, like kind of right now where you are? How do you Mm -hmm. define that? I think it looks different depending on what you're Mm-hmm. depending on where you're trying to go. Uh, I think I've been very fortunate to have mm-hmm. a lot of great managers along my career that has helped me to achieve a lot of the goals that I had set for myself career-wise. That's successful. Um, I mentioned earlier that my success is how I can help other people. So I mm-hmm. really am really encouraging everyone to help someone come along behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important to give back. Like I'm part of the BFIS board now, mm-hmm. but I've done mostly every program BFIS has to offer growing up because <laughs> someone helped me. Yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> um, it was a moment where I didn't think I was going to go back to school and someone called BFIS and mm-hmm. they gave me um, additional option, additional funding options. So I think it's important for me mm-hmm. to give my time back to BFIS because if it wasn't for them, 
I may not have finished school or I may not have gone back that semester. So I think I've done every program BFIS have to order. I've been, I'm, I was a mentee. Now I'm a mentor. I'm mm-hmm. on the scholarship committee. The only thing I didn't do is the, um, the program where you get to spend the summer abroad because mm-hmm. they didn't have it at the time. But I think it's important to give back yeah. um, and invest in, like, to see the students that are coming mm-hmm. and that you interview is very rewarding, especially mm-hmm. when you see them graduate mm-hmm. and now they're in careers of their own. Like, to me, that's success. Nice. Like, how did I help them get to where they are? Yeah, that's good. So you spoke about, you know, um, being the things that inspire you and you know it being you know helping others so what would you would you consider that as your why when you wake up every morning or is your why the reason why you do what you do something different um I think it's a multiple it's mm-hmm. multiple things uh, my why is because my husband is a hundred percent supportive <laughs> so he gives me his like <laughs> Um, he's my personal cheerleader, my hype that. man. I love, I love that. <laughs> so that that's encouraging because some days it's like, I don't know if I can do this. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, you can. Mm-hmm. You got this. That's amazing. <laughs> Just take the emotion out and you mm-hmm. got it. Um, mm-hmm. So that's important to me. Obviously, for my kids, I want to set the bar high so mm-hmm. that they know that they can achieve anything they want to do. And it's not going to be easy. It's not always going to be glamorous. Mm-hmm. But if you just stick to it, and I think follow your passion. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really enjoy my job. And um I think that helps, yeah. <laughs> especially 100%. in low moments. Yeah. It's, so <laughs> it's like, I'm going to get through this, but yeah. right now, it's, give me a moment. I, no, I totally agree. It's so crazy that you say that because the last two people that we've, I've spoken with have said the same thing. I love what I do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think that's such a big differentiator between mm-hmm. the people who are successful and the people who aren't mm-hmm. is loving what you do mm-hmm. and being passionate about mm-hmm. it. So what is some of the advice you would give to our next generation of leaders, women leaders? The advice I would give is your career is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. Um, just enjoy the journey. It's things you're going to unintentionally learn along the mm-hmm. way that's going to be invaluable later in life. Like, for example, I had I used to have a difficult co-worker many years ago, and I told my boss, I was like, I don't think I could do this. I mm-hmm. feel like she's picking on me. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, but we have a job to do, and I need you to both to get it together and move forward. And she mm-hmm. was like, you're not always going to be in an environment when everyone's for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you need to learn to deal with it and move forward. And in the moment, I'm like, she's mean. But looking back, it's like, as you go from one company to the next, not everyone's going to celebrate your success. Mm-hmm. So it's important for you to just be proud of your accomplishments. Be humble, mm-hmm. but be proud of your accomplishment, and don't let people distract you. Got it. And what is your greatest fear um, professionally and how do you manage that? Well, I had fears um, a while ago and now I ha- it's different from my fears mm-hmm. today. Got it. Um, I used to have a fear of... Um, meeting with CEOs. Like I was fine if it was the CFO or the risk manager. Mm -hmm. But when I looked at the sheet and it was the CEO, I was like, am I qualified to ask some questions? (laughs) Are my questions good enough? And Mm -hmm. it's like, at one point I stopped looking at people's titles Mm because I didn't want that to distract me from the meeting because that made me more nervous. And so Mm -hmm. what I decided to do is like, just have a pep talk with yourself. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like this is any other meeting. Just be prepared. Mm -hmm. Be as prepared as you can and just go with it. Mm -hmm. So you just have to have pep talks with yourself. (laughs) No, amazing. I know. I was just, I don't know if you've seen the movie on Love Guaranteed. Um, it's a new movie on Netflix and it literally starts out with her in the bathroom prepping for her closing arguments in this movie. And then this lady like flushes the toilet and comes out. But it's so me. I do the exact same thing. And during the, when I'm doing anything, I practice over and over and over in the mirror and I exactly what you said and I replay it and listen to it and how I could fix it. So it's definitely, you know. So another fear that I used to have, or sometimes have, I used to have a fear of not being able to answer 
the client. Like if a client asks me a question at the end of the meeting mm-hmm. and I didn't know, I was like, Shalee, you cannot panic. It's mm-hmm. only you represented the company here. Mm-hmm. So I think um, as I mature professionally, just getting comfortable, you're not going to know everything. And mm-hmm. I, I was, you know what? I'm not sure. Let me get back to you. Or this is what I think you're asking me, but let me double check and I'll follow up with an email. So just being comfortable, not knowing things and not just trying to fill the space with words because you feel like, oh my gracious, they're asking me a question. So mm-hmm. I think that's something I had to overcome as well. Wow. Okay. And what are some of the things that motivate you? Not necessarily in work, but you know, in your private life, like what are some of those things that motivate you that get you going? Um, that is like, you know what, I don't feel like getting up today. Um, even though I've had the pep talk from my husband, (laughs) what is some of those things that motivate you? Um, my goal every year is to outperform myself from the prior year. Like Mm -hmm. I've never compared myself to other people Mm because that that could be a distraction. Mm-hmm. That, could, And so and you never know what other people are dealing with in their own career. So I think focusing on what I want to achieve and making sure I'm better than who I was yesterday, that motivates me. Wow. That's, a, that's really good advice because a lot of people don't look at their own benchmarks mm-hmm. um, for success. And when we start getting into those, okay, well, so-and-so is doing this and mm-hmm. – um, and I'm not type of thing. Let me do that. And that might not be the best course for you and your journey. So I love the fact that you use yourself mm-hmm. as your benchmark mm-hmm. every single year. So tell me some of the books that you're reading right now or podcasts that you're listening to. Uh, what are some of those things? So I'm very far behind on my reading list. <laughs> I'm usually very intentional with everything in my life. I used to have a book list of the books I'm going to read this year, but Mm -hmm. I'm I'm very much behind. But a few books that come to mind that I have read in the past that I think are noteworthy is my absolute favorite would be The Little Black Book of Success, Laws of Leadership for Black Women. Mm -hmm. Um, That's an amazing book. Um, The author actually came to Bermuda and spoke at at my job, Mm -hmm. and she was amazing. So highly recommend that book. Um, It's a great read. Um, my second book that I recommend is um, Executive Presence. Mm-hmm. It talks about how you act, how you speak, and how you look. Mm-hmm. Um, so I highly recommend that book. And then the last one, which I'm reading right now, mm-hmm. is Atomic Habits. So I can't speak to it, but mm-hmm. it's been good so far. I'm about two chapters in. Okay. <laughs> so I will highly recommend that book. Perfect. So tell me, what is the best decision you ever made? I think one of the best decisions or decisions I've made was to lean on the expertise of other professionals, whether they're internal or external. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know it all. I'm never going to know it all. Mm-hmm. And to lean on the intellectual capital of others is very important. When people when people say, call me, call them, because mm-hmm. you never know where that coffee break is going to lead. Mm-hmm. It may not be right now, but you never know where your paths will cross. So use the people that say, come and chat to me about this or that. Take advantage of those opportunities. And just a quote from the from the book, one of my favorite books, The Little Back Book to Success. Mm-hmm. Successful learners are open to new knowledge and experiences of all kinds. So I think it's important to open yourself up and it's just going to make you better in the long run. Wow, that's amazing. So Hustle Her is all about giving, um, you know, listening to your story, but also giving um, my listeners actionable takeaways uh, for from your story and the different things that you've done in your life. So I like to give them two things that you would use as takeaways from your experiences on how they can be better, how can they can be the best selves and how they can use your story um, to help them. So what would be two of the things that you would uh, say to my listeners um, the first one I would say, invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people think your boss is responsible for every aspect of your career. And sometimes the budget doesn't allow them to um, 
fund your way to different events or other things that may find interest mm -hmm. um, that you may find interesting. So I think it's important to invest in yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I attended um, the Simmons Leadership Conference in 2018. Mm -hmm. Michelle Obama was the keynote speaker. Oh, it was by amazing. far the best conference I've ever attended. Oh and so I was like, you know what? It was worth it to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I paid my way through and mm -hmm. it, it was so worth it. It was about 7,000 people there. Wow. And I sat at a table. They randomly assigned you. So I met people around the table. So mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to put myself in new environments mm -hmm. and meet. I met new people that I still have communication with over LinkedIn mm -hmm. and it was amazing. I was actually shortlisted for the conference. Mm -hmm. And then Very I found nice. out because they release speakers every month. And when I found out Michelle Obama was a keynote, I was like, I have to be have there. To be there. Like, that's so a, I that's emailed them. I put it in my calendar. I emailed them every other Thursday. And they're like, ma'am, you're like 86 on the wait list. Oh, no. They're like, even if we add new tables, we're not going to add like eight new tables. Oh. And I was like, well, I need to be there. And so I just followed up. So I don't know if they really added 80 people or they got tired <laughs> of me emailing them. But um, they sent me an email to say, congratulations, you have 24 hours to accept um, this ticket. And mm -hmm. I was like, is this spam? Because cyber's a big thing insurance. Yes. So I'm like, is this spam? So I actually picked up the phone and called and I felt like I won the lottery. And it was by far the best experience wow. to see Michelle Obama in person. Mm -hmm. I just cried when they played her intro video. Oh it was God. amazing. So um, definitely invest in yourself. Mm -hmm. um, the second one was put yourself in an environment of accountability. Mm -hmm. um, I have a, a circle of friends. So they're my advisors. Mm -hmm. So um, so I talk to them very often and they challenge me to do better. Like I recently had a business idea and I, t I, t I put it in the chat mm -hmm. <laughs> and they were like, great. In a month's time, I want to see a business plan. And I was like, wait, I don't have time for that. They're like, yes, you do. You need mm -hmm. to make time. Mm -hmm. So they are encouraging me to stick to the timelines to roll it out. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's for other things professionally as well. Like we go, to, we went to a gala once. Mm -hmm. We all went together and we're like, at the end of the night, we have to introduce ourselves to two people we don't know here that we feel need to know us. Mm -hmm. And so that was our goal. We went to the gala and we, we came back. We're like, okay, who did you meet? Who did you meet? So just putting yourself in an environment where they're going to push you to do better because if not, you would have just spent there hung with your friends and laugh. So mm -hmm. I think it's important just to be in a community that inspires you and holds you accountable. Mm -hmm. I love that. And it also, um, it takes me back to a time where we were somewhere together. Oh, we were at my uncle's house. I think it was like a lunch or something. And the premier was there. And literally, um, your husband and I, we were sitting down, we were talking and he was like, I can guarantee you, Shalea is going to leave there with a meeting with the premier before we leave here tonight. <laughs> and I said, you think? And he was like, I know my wife. And <laughs> literally, you finished talking to him. You guys were outside talking for a minute like I it's not very many places in the world you can like talk to the leader <laughs> right, of the right. country like that and literally you were outside talking for a while and by the time you came in he was like yep so I guess we're going to be having a meeting with all these yes. insurance professionals yes. and it was just amazing <laughs> one that your husband knew you that well and two that it actually happened right yes so I love don't miss that. an opportunity <laughs> do not miss an opportunity and, and to keep it light keep absolutely. it light I was in and out, mm -hmm. in and out it so. wasn't long it yeah. wasn't long at all and what, whatever you said it was impactful enough that the premier was like you know what she's right, right. and right. we need to have this conversation and you know it happened right there right. out of the house and right. once again it goes to the you know the statement of you know deals are not made necessarily right. in the boardroom mm -hmm. they're made you know on the golf course mm -hmm. but in this instance at lunch mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. backyard at my yeah. uncle's house and we so, did have a meeting with really? I think it was 10 insurance young insurance professional wow. in the boardroom of my job we had it. it was a few months later
later, mm-hmm. but um, we did have the meeting. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I love that. And finally, what I ask all my guests when they are leaving uh, Hustle Heart Podcast is what do you want to be remembered for? I would like to be remembered for pushing people outside their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Growth doesn't come from comfort zones. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important for you to challenge yourself. So if I feel like I'm encouraging you to do something you otherwise would not have done, I think, and then you do it and you're great at it, mm-hmm. that brings me joy. And mm-hmm. I want to remember for just facilitating facilitating um, opportunities for people. So however I can help you to help your advancement in regards to my team, I'm happy to, I'm only responsible to providing a fair work environment Mm -hmm. with the opportunity for advancement. But however that looks like for them, Mm -hmm. I'm open to feedback from them Mm -hmm. so that they can achieve their own personal career goals. Wow. Thank you, Shalee, for spending some time with me today. I do appreciate you Thanks coming for down. Me. Of course, of course. I'm so excited that you were able to make the time to talk to me today. Guys, uh, just for a quick recap, Shalee Hendrickson is the head of healthcare at AXA XL. She has a podcast that is called the Healthcare Risk Insights Podcast that she has launched and she created. And if you guys want to have a moment to go and check that out, please do so. And I just want to say thank you again for joining me today. Thank you, Deshae. Hey guys, and thanks again for listening. Just a reminder and a quick shout out to our sponsors, Tampax. Make sure you guys go out and get the Tampax Pocket Pearl. This episode was brought to you by the Pocket Pearl, and it is an amazing product. You can keep it in your purse. You can keep it in your pocket. If you're having a night out on the town and you don't have a big bag to carry around, this is the perfect uh, little pocket that you can carry and it'll be great for you. I'm so glad you guys joined me for episode four of Hustle Her Podcast. Uh, it was so great to talk to Shalea about her experiences and the different things that she's been through in the insurance industry. And I hope you guys enjoyed it just as much as I had have. Make sure you go to our website, www.hustleherpodcast.com and make sure you follow us on Instagram and that is Hustle Her Podcast. Hit the subscribe button, guys and sign up to the page so you can get all of our episodes early before we release it to the masses. And we also have our Hustle Her Baskets coming with our sponsors. It will have some amazing goodies, so make sure you go and sign up. I can't wait to talk to you guys again next week. Thank you for listening to Hustle Her Podcast. I'm a hustler, baby, from a hustler father. Man, I run to the coma, see girl wanna swarm us. Any man wanna harm us, see young girls are club for your daughter. A hustler, baby.